I really wish Claire had said till the next episode like Dr. Dre. Yeah, I know, right? I thought that. Yeah, I mean, my yeah, I, oh, I really wanted la, that. Da, da, da. I don't know that. <laughs> I don't know what. I don't even know what to say about. Yeah. That. I'm sorry. I, I mean, know. I don't know very much, Doc. I know. I don't know much, Dr. Dre. I know. I mean, Nas. That's from I Nas. <laughs> I mean. The first time he said from that's the, wholesome thing. That's 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 from I nothing but a G thing, isn't it? Heard in my life. Welcome to that episode was We Are Popsicle. In this episode, we'll be offering opinions, boy howdy, and reactions to the Sandman season one, episode eight playing house in which Rose's brother Jed becomes the dream lord. Sort of. This series was developed by Neil Gaiman, David Goyer, and showrunner Alan Heinberg. This episode was written by Alexander Newman-Wise and was directed by Andres Bayes. I'm Claire Thorne, and I am joined, as always, by a very lively group and very awake and energetic uh, team of 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 people. Um, Philip Kelly, who's currently hiding his face in his T-shirt, I'm not sure why. My cat just did a spray bomb as he passed, and it's right <laughs> in front of my face, so I'm currently reacting to that. It's not pleasant. I should have should have never asked, no. but we're happy no. you're with us in spite of a hazmat situation. Yeah. Going this is, on. This is suddenly got suddenly got very dramatic on this side of the mic. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh Lisa K. Weber. That's me. Hi. Hello. How T are you? Good. TGIF? Uh yes. <laughs> you're all sort of not quite there yet but we're almost there <laughs> we're almost there kelly sue hi hi how are you i'm <laughs> uh here, here this is this I'm is all we ask of you i'm podcasting from uh my bed this evening so i'm actually yeah <laughs> okay well you're sitting up you're i am right so that's that's good. Um, and Justin Peniston. Here I am. There you are. That's it. That's all there is. That's all you get. That's all you get. Excellent. All right. Well, y'all, we're still in Florida and we're still in the happy house of amazing, wonderful, weird characters. Um, and in watching this episode a second time, Oh, maybe it was a third time. I don't recall at this point, but I love them all. Um, and it really struck me, um, and I'm going to leave this kind of open because I think there's a lot of places to go as we were kind of discussing before we started, you know, rolling the show. Um, there's a lot of places to go in this episode, but what was really striking me 
um, were a couple of items that I originally kind of thought were two separate discussion points. And then the more I was thinking about them, I'm like, no, they're all the same. It's all intertwined and it's all affecting everything else. Um, but what I was really thinking about was people's perceptions and whether they're accurate or not, whether they need to be accurate or not, whether, you know, we've got, we've got Hector out there and nobody knows if he's a dream or a ghost or a whatever. Um, we have per various perceptions about Rose. Is she a tool? Is she a danger? Um, we have Galt. Is she a nightmare? Is she something else now? Is she a mother? Is she a protector? Um, is Lida pregnant now? Or is she just, you know, have some severe bloating? I, I don't, you know, what, what do these perceptions mean? It seems like everyone in this episode is either seeing something just the way they want to see it or willfully not seeing what's right in front of them, et cetera, et cetera. And then we land toward the end of this episode with some really big questions about change and mm -hmm. Morpheus's statement about we are everything in creation is bound to its, its created purpose. I'm not even sure I understand what that is exactly. Um, so can these people change? Can Morpheus change? Can Rose change? Can Galt change? These are all questions that are very explicitly being asked in the episode. Um, well, and they're also being answered. I mean, right. Yes. But again, within that person, <laughs> but again, within that person's perception, right? Like, it, and that's where I found that oh, I was well, coming yeah. back to like, everything is tied together because my final like thing that I landed on is, can you, can any of these people, entities, phenomena, whatever you want to call them, can any of them change without some sort of like shakeup about their perceptions of themselves, of other people, et cetera. That's all I'm going to say <laughs> in prompting a discussion on this one. I'm just going to let you free for all now. Um, well, and yeah, and I mean, like, yeah, it's, it's always, uh, I mean, transitions are hard, you know, what? like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like, especially when you're talking about like, an, like, you know, ego death style, um, it's really hard because, you know, how do you reconcile your past self with who you are now? Um, and yeah, it's, it's always happening. And I mean, like that last scene with Dream and Galt and Lucian, holy, there's just so much to unpack in that scene uh -huh. just because it's like Dream is talking about how you know, it's his perception of himself and it's others' perception of him that he's operating on as far as being like, oh, well, like I can't, I can't change because I have this job to do. And it's like, he almost feels like trapped in it now. And so he's angry at Galt and then also Lucian 
for their ability to change and recognize that they are changed and go through the transition. And he doesn't feel like he's free to do that, even though he already has changed. Yeah. <laughs> but he, right. But he doesn't see it. He doesn't perceive no. it. Right. And of course not. Yeah. Because I'm it's just a poor be workman who blames his tools. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> and, and to be fair, dreams change is ongoing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, whereas Galt has changed already. Galt has, I mean, whatever, you know, changing from nightmare to dream, whatever, she has already decided that is what she is. Mm-hmm. And she is already making that happen, you know. Um, Lucien has already changed. She had to change mm-hmm. because of Morpheus's being gone. But you, you don't unchange, do you know what I mean? You change again. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's super apropos that in this episode where dream says explicitly you know i have my responsibilities and i can't i cannot change away from them mm-hmm. is the episode that lida becomes pregnant i think that's a very fitting juxtaposition mm-hmm. a little bit of a foreshadowing alert there a little bit of a spoilery <laughs> Ish. It's only spoilery if you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, it's only spoilery if you say it's spoilery, Claire. <laughs> You're welcome. I just did that. Um, yeah. And, you know, it's uh, until you said the words severe IBS. Promoting <laughs> um, IBS. Every like- question you were asking, I was like, yes, the answer is yes. She has a dream and a nightmare. She is a danger and a tool, you know? I mean, all of those things are true. Uh Um, If only because one person perceives the tool and the other perceives the danger and someone else entirely might perceive both, you know? But yeah, I think, you know, perception is reality, as they say. Yeah, and to that point, talking about these scenes, like the audience is left wondering, like okay is she really pregnant is she not is like what are the what's the real what is what are we really seeing what is really happening um they seem to be playing a lot with that this episode yeah i felt this episode based on these questions and perception and um you know this theme of change which is really like this whole idea around like everything has to change or else it it just you know, sort of like withers um, and then eventually ceases to be is such like a huge theme throughout really the entire comic. Mm. (laughs) Not even just this episode or these stories that we're, you know, we're watching now. Um, And this stretch of story was like, you know, so often when things aren't going our way, we want them to change. We want things to be different. We want things to go a certain way we want to be a certain way. We have dreams about who we want to become and what we want to be. And they change as we get older and, um, or they change as we change. And that because we're in this constant state of growing in one direction, things can't ever be black or white. We can't, Rose can't just be a danger or a tool sort of to Justin's point. It's kind of like, 
based on the perception, she is both and even more than that, you know? Well, and that's and, others' perception of her. She's yeah. a sister. She's totally. a daughter. Like that's how Love she it. sees Lately. herself, you know? Like, Absolutely. Like and then, you know, coming to terms with the desires and the dreams that you have that won't come to be, you know, like Ida wanting to be with Hector and, um, you know, how, yeah, how Galt wanting to be a dream, Corinthian wanting to matter in a meaningful way, you know, um, that's so much of what this episode is about for me is the dreams that we have that won't, that we have to reconcile with because they won't come to pass. Mm -hmm. Um, and that, you know, it's just, that's kind of this, this gray area. Why do I have this desire if I can't have it, if I can't experience it, which of course I want it, (laughs) but I want it. That's uh, why do I have this desire for desire? When we talk about uh, just kind of using that as a springboard, uh, you know, dream has a desire for everything to go back to the way it was, because he's just experienced something very traumatic, you know, being stuck, caught, trapped. Um, And when you come out of something like that, it's hard not to want to just step back into the way things were and be like, all right, we're going to get back to some normalcy here. I am Lord of this, you know, kingdom. Uh, everybody has their place. I have my place. This is normal. I'm okay. Everything's okay. <laughs> I'm fine inside. You know, we're, we're fine. Everything's fine. You know, the building's <laughs> burning around him. Uh, and that's, that's how it feels. Uh, looking at dream and kind of what he's going through here a little bit. Um, and that's how it feels with all, uh, you know, every, everybody else, you know, Rose walks through these dreams of uh, everybody kind of living their sort of thing but there's a reality there that's uh, uh sometimes very ugly or very cold or very lonely um you know ken not being able to get in the car with barbie is you know ken's kind of a dick but that's kind of sad as well uh you know separating himself in his dream from barbie um uh removing of the face like this isn't the face this is the face this is the face and like uh you know the all of these characters are experiencing a very, as you were saying, Kelly, so a very different reality from maybe what they had hoped mm-hmm. or, or want. And um, dreams reality has changed. And when you've experienced hurt um, that uh, you're not used to, especially because I don't think dreams used to like, you know, he's used to doling that out on other people, right? I go to hell for 10,000 years. Um <laughs> He was powerless for yeah, but yeah, but he was powerless. Yeah. Like he didn't have his power, um, and that for somebody who has been all powerful in their own head and mind, that's uh, and then to come back and see that other people have taken control and power over their lives uh, without mm-hmm. him there, that that's uh, you know, you felt you feel even smaller. You're like maybe I didn't have that power that I thought I had. Maybe coming back after being like trapped for 100 years i wasn't really that powerful to begin with like you know there's there's probably so much going uh-huh. through his head right now in those uh that final scene um yeah so much um, yeah. yeah yeah and this theme is sort of delightfully meta mm-hmm. because this is a story that has already been told 
and it is being told again and it has changed mm -hmm. and oh. our perceptions of it change <laughs> i think oh. neil gaiman's deception perception of it has changed mm -hmm. i think very that's not my notes where's my notes okay i found it very interesting that i never connected but so much to rose's search for jed in the comics hmm. it wasn't given as much real estate do you know what uh -huh. i'm saying it wasn't really the point the point was the vortex story you know right. um i mean we it's, that story is way more about in the comic it's way more about house 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 of misfits than it is about jed and you know what i mean but now jed is front and center he's in your face he's a character that we care about hmm. rose looking for him is a story that we care about and i couldn't help but think you know, the Gaiman that wrote this story in the first place probably wasn't a father yet. Nope. Certainly had never been a woman. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, and now this story is being told by a Gaiman who is a father and being seen through the eyes of actresses playing mothers and sisters and the women and men in the writer's room, you know? And like all of this extra perception you know, mm -hmm. really gives it a whole new slant. And, you know, so I think it's, like I said, it's, I think it's deliciously meta in that way. Yeah, 100%. that's very true. You know, and it, I think part of what was really vibing with me in talking about perception and change and that final discussion, of course, which is so phenomenal between Morpheus and Galt is oh. that it mirrors so much my own journey out of a life in which I had basically been told you don't have consent over what you are and what's going to happen uh -huh. to you and what you should be, etc. And it's, I think the series, I certainly felt it reading the comic as well, but in, in watching this, it just really, the lack of personal control over their own lives rose has has not consented to be a flipping vortex like and and morpheus hasn't consented to being dream i don't think right like well yeah none of us asked to be here <laughs> none That's of us asked, sure. none of us asked to be here but there's this that idea we know that, of that yeah. we that we're aware of yeah. <laughs> but but at some point in our lives hopefully we get to a place where we say, okay, yes, I am going to either give or not give consent to what has been forced on me, mm -hmm. the fate that has been defined for me. And I think that's the biggest obstacle that Morpheus has at the moment as well, is just that switch of perception of this is who I am. I have no other purpose to no, I, I'm actually a sentient being <laughs> that can, that can make a defined life for myself uh -huh. and choose to do things regardless of what I'm told my purpose is by someone else. I just yeah. realized through talking about this, that dream is a mad dad. <laughs> Oh my god. He's such mad a mad dad. dad. <laughs> Explain mad dad. 
Well, mad dad for sure says a lot of things he doesn't mean mm-hmm. when he's mad. Because mad dad is projecting his own disappointments onto you. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. His disappointments in himself. Yes. Mm-hmm. That's why I was saying it's a poor workman who blames tools. <laughs> well, that says a lot about, <laughs> that says a lot about Jed's, you know, foster dad. Uh-huh. I just, I just want everyone to know how in lockstep Lisa and Kelly Sue were just then, like completing each other's sentences, each gesticulating wildly with a single finger. Like it was, it was on point. Like you guys didn't get to see it, but we got the full effect. And I, sure I feel like I would be remiss if other. I didn't share it with you. I was, yeah, I was pointing at Kelly Sue. I'm sure she was pointing at me. Yeah. On my screen, Kelly Sue was pointing at Justin, and Lisa was pointing at my notes. So that was affirming for me as well. Anyway. This is the way oh that it goes often. Yeah. Lisa and I. <laughs> it does indeed. Um, we have some of those other details. Uh, we've got Jed and his foster family and that whole situation and the Corinthian running around impersonating journalists and hot guys on Miami beach or wherever they are. Um, any other thoughts about some of these other things going on in the episode? Justin. I I mean, I feel like I have more like hot takey things, you know? I do have I do have my comic nerd moment. Ooh, comic Let's nerd out, please. You know, well, I mean, I really dug that Jed, my boy Jed, and I really like the kid playing Jed also, I I, I want to say. Yeah. But um they put Jed in the Sandman costume that Hector Hall wears in the comic. And that was worn by a character named Garrett Sanford. He was the Sandman of the 1970s, created by Jack Kirby and Joe Simon. And he was a real character, real comic. He had a four or five, six issue series that didn't go anywhere. Um, And Brute and Glob, who are the characters that Galt has replaced, um, were his nightmares. And Gaiman brought all three of them forward into the comic. And that costume is spot on, except for the hood. I thought it was kind of cool and awesome and fun he names off a bunch of villains as i'm so glad you brought that up <laughs> i just was i was teeing i wasn't clearing you i was teeing that up for you i i, I know you were Go right ahead um johnny sorrow the phantom of the fair dr death and the pied piper all actual dc comics villains johnny sorrow is uh johnny sorrow and the phantom of the fair are relatively modern villains for the justice society of america and the justice society of america is the team that the original sandman was a member of um dr death is actually a golden age batman villain and the pied piper is a silver age flash villain wow hmm. that's awesome. i still have sex y'all that's awesome <laughs> <laughs> like i just want to be very clear that i am married <laughs> a real person <laughs> and that that's amazing that was great yeah that was yes great. Big absolutely fan. <laughs> kelly sue thoughts about our foster parent couple um my the foster parent couple so listen 
everybody here knows how I feel. People who've listening, been listening to our podcasts for a while know that I feel a lot of ways when people fuck with kids. Just don't do it. So going into it, going into the TV experience that we have here, I'm instantly like, I hate you. (laughs) (laughs) So it's really difficult for me to have any kind of an intellectual experience of this stretch of the story because I'm just sitting here in like primal mother mode being like, touch this kid (laughs) and I'm going to rip your throat out. (laughs) Can I... Can I ask you a question, Kelly Sue? Then? Of course. Is it, does it affect you differently, the, the change that they've made in <laughs> Larissa's character? Oh, yeah. Because in the, in the comic, she's full tilt evil as well. 100%. It's a joined, like, yes. and in this, in this, they're very much working the, we, I, I'm assuming battered wife. Yeah. Has no what's power. interesting is it almost made it worse yeah um it almost made it harder I mean I was I was happy that there was like at least like a shred of softness again like we've talked about this so much that they've softened so much of these stories that were so difficult um to read in the comic but there was still that part where it was like that almost makes it it just makes her complicit in a completely different way um that's almost harder to swallow um yeah, because think- she doesn't want to be doing it yeah and is doing it anyway you know she yeah. voted for trump because her husband voted for trump totally that's the worst yeah that's the worst and like, it's like i don't like, i didn't have any real like because of what you're saying i didn't really have any sympathy for this woman yeah um like you weren't in your feels that she was killed along with him no by the Caribbean. Nope. nope that was nope. my favorite part of this whole episode <laughs> as terrible as it is to say no, i really I was like you brought this on yourself yeah and it's like i know that we're all sitting in these positions of like judgment yeah but that's, that's the role of the podcast host. That's the role of the podcast host. Yeah. And it is like, it's, it's, yeah, like, yeah, I'm with Kelly Sue. It made it worse. Yeah. Well, let me ask this. I, um, did anyone else feel a little gut checked? over the optics of a white couple basically imprisoning a black boy. Hmm. I mean, I could go on and on. I noticed that, yeah. About I mean, this. That's radically different from the comic, yeah. you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, in the comic, that their evil is almost banal. Like, it doesn't really matter. It's, you know, no one mm-hmm. thinks, you know, mm-hmm. I could not have told you that their names are Barnaby and Clarice, even if they were, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but here... Mm-hmm. And I don't think they're meant to be portrayed as racist by any stretch of the imagination. Do you know what I'm saying? I don't mm-hmm. feel that's it's not necess- like, yeah. it's not explicit. I think, right. I think they're just evil. Yeah. You yeah. know, maybe are they extra evil to him because he's a black kid? Maybe who knows? You know what I'm saying? But I know that it added a sousant of cheese, like of you know, of gut check mm-hmm. for that, you know. 
Well, like I think too to that point, it's making a statement without being like we're making a statement about this. Yeah, for sure. The most powerful way, but also it's like it's making a statement about the way that CPS works in this country. The people who are more forgotten than other people. And you mean child protective services when you say CPS, yes, right? Yes, child protective yes. services and how, I mean, kids that fall into child protective services, like it's shitty for everybody, but it's even shittier for children of color. Yeah. And I, it's one of the reasons why I love that they chose to cast a black family as Rose and Unity and Jed for that exact reason, because I was like, this is some really powerful stuff. And then it helps because they can tell this and the blackness in Sandman is not about this mm -hmm. because Unity, Rose, and Jed aren't even the only black characters on the show. Yeah. You know, mm -hmm. I mean, many a wave has been made about all the extra blackness on this show. Mm -hmm. And that's really satisfying and pretty well executed across the board, you know. 100%. But in particular, here mm -hmm. with this issue, you know, mm -hmm. it really brings home, you know, instead of being a mustache twirly Oliver Twisty thing, it really yeah. makes it feel very relevant and very American and very now, you know. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. Yeah. And I Before think I all... turn to Philip for oh, some final thoughts, Please, I uh, am just going to note that the fact that I'm watching the fourth season of The Wire while watching this episode as well, um, which is famously about all of the kids in Baltimore mm -hmm. and so many of them are in such perilous beyond perilous home situations and are are left to deal with their own stuff for the most part it yeah it's ties up really nicely um philip uh, any final thoughts uh, you know i i mean i i see this a similar sort of theme with lida and with all these characters, uh, like I was talking about earlier with Morpheus, uh, all wanting to hold on to something that isn't, you know, there anymore. Something that, uh, and uh, yeah, trying trying to make something out of <laughs> like a, a phantasm or a ghost, right? In, in this sense with Lyda. And, and that's the same thing with, uh, with Hal, you know, creating his own family, trying to recreate some, sort of it's so dramatic right like he wants to be on broadway and instead he's kind of created this sort of house of stories audience. yeah like he's, he's created an he's audience created an audience he, he's brought these people in to be his sort of like uh yeah that sort of family that you have when you're doing theater kind of thing and mm. so like all of them are sort of rebuilding this idea of what they were hoping something would be and you know, Rose is doing that. She's trying to rebuild. Uh, uh, Jed is off in the dreaming. Galt is trying to rebuild, you know, so it's it's all there. Like it's all mm -hmm. woven through all of these stories. And it's a really, it's a really lovely, it, it's not a, um, like this episode is in some ways sort of, uh, in, you know, interstitial, you know, 
it's like we're, we're getting there we're getting there we're getting there but it's all all everything's woven together really nicely still which makes it just a really really fantastic episode uh, yeah yeah well i think we're going to go to a break we're going to come back talk about some hot takes and i'm just going to start the thought process off there um by just i think we have to give best television kiss ever to hector and lida because you know that smooch um one smooch and she's pregnant i mean <laughs> boom hey mtv you got got your movie award kiss right here never never been a more potent kiss uh than that one i don't think so uh <laughs> we'll be right back If you are enjoying this conversation, be sure to check out the latest That Episode Was discussion about Amazon's Lord of the Rings, The Rings of Power. A bit later this fall, we'll be peeling back the curtain on David Lynch and Mark Frost's Twin Peaks with the new throwback series, That Gum You Like. Um, someday I'm going to understand what that title is, um, and that's why we're watching Twin Peaks. Uh, and keep checking back for more popsicle pop-ups. You never know what's going to strike our fancy and spur the next big discussion. For all those updates, follow at PopsiclePod on all social medias and sign up for the Popsicle newsletter on our website, popsiclepod.com. That's P-O-P-S-K-L-P-O-D. Oh, and you know, wherever you get your popsicle. Be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe to the show. Your input helps spread the word and expand the conversation. All right, y'all. Time for hot takes. Um, in addition to the kiss... Um, heard around the uterus um sorry <laughs> i don't know where that came from i apologize um i will not say that again um i'm just gonna start off hot takes by going martin titbones martin titbones i didn't know if we were um and i just want to point out that he's voice acted by lenny henry who is the voice of the night bus shrunken head in Harry Potter, <laughs> okay. the prisoner of Azkaban, who I love, and he's currently playing Sadok on Rings of Power, guys. Awesome. Anyway, um, oh, yeah. that's amazing. I know. <laughs> Lenny Henry is quite the storied actor in Britain. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, Big fan of all of any... the above. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't need any more face peeling. I'm good with that. I don't need any more now. I can eat um, more. I have a long, I know everybody calls me Claire here, but my real first name is Clarissa. And I have had a long history of people um, tying the name Clarice to me as well from sitting uh -huh. in a movie theater with a bunch of college friends who, you know, were in my ear whispering Clarice during Silence of the Lambs. And yeah, I just I just need some Clarices or some Clarissas or some whatevers in popular culture that don't make me regret my name. I just need representation there. Well, if it's any consolation, 
It wasn't until this moment that I intended to start calling Chris Barnaby. It wasn't until this moment. And now, now. (laughs) I can't actually do it. Barnaby's awful. But, you know, and Chris is the sweetest. Yes, he is. Chris is the sweetest. That's my husband, by the way. Yes. Um, And Jesus says, Christ, Morpheus, give a girl a moment to freaking talk to her brother. That's why you went there in the first place. Of course, it's not Uh, really. Not really. Yeah, it's not. Oh, my God. Not at all. I wanted to bitch slap someone. I remember the first time I watched this, I was like, ooh, they're going to team up and they're going to go look together. And then Morpheus was all like, all right, bye. And they disappeared. Right. I was like, oh, Governor. son of a it bitch, was, Morpheus. Again. Slap in the face. It was so on brand for him. It was. It was. Absolutely. <laughs> so, so on brand. But I will say, I um, I really dug um, how flirty Dream and Rose were. <laughs> It's, it just goes to show that what um, Mason was it Kirby Hal Baptiste was saying? It was Mason Alexander Park. You can't not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he just flirts with everybody on camera. <laughs> So. He's the crush vortex. Yeah, <laughs> he is. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Oh my nice. goodness. <laughs> uh-huh. Um. <laughs> I have a couple hot takes. Oh, like a hundred. One. Um, <laughs> I think one of my favorite things is the Corinthian walking on the beach, looking like a Wall Street fucking banker. <laughs> yeah. Where I'm literally like, this is what you chose to wear <laughs> to blend in on the beach. Like what's new at J. Crew? Well, he did also he looked like vaguely like Miami Weiss. Yeah, <laughs> a little Miami Weiss. A little, yeah. But he didn't even have like the t-shirt. It was like a he was wearing like a V-neck sweater a, yeah, one kind of thing. Like no, he was wearing he definitely a, um, had his neck exposed. He had his neck I, exposed. I have an eye for necks. Listen, I take <laughs> copious notes about what the Corinthians wearing at all times. <laughs> and he had on one of these like high, it was like a turtleneck that zips. Oh, but oh, still yeah. we still tur- had neck. But there was very much neck. Oh, for sure. Um <laughs> But I was also like, so he was kind of rocking the Hannibal. I'm sorry, in the woods. Look, we are right Hannibal. now. Oh my gosh, yes, we are right now obsessing Casual over Friday the Hannibal neck. in the woods. Yeah. We're right now obsessing over the neck of a character who has mouths for eyes. Yeah, yeah. Listen, so always, proud of always, us. Always, always. I am so proud of uh, us. Also, I am so pleased with how established his character is that in the scene where Rose is talking to Unity on the phone, you just see his hand come in and do with the the teapot. Mm-hmm. And you're like, oh, this Corinthian. Mm-hmm. Oh my God. Mm-hmm. Uh, I also loved the moment where he almost approaches Rose, but mm-hmm. sees that mm-hmm. she's talking to Matthew. Matthew. Yeah. Yeah. And then yeah. he's like, no, you do you do the the line from Lewis in Ant Man. Back it up. Back it up. Back, gotta back it up. up. Back it up. Uh, While we're that. talking about clothing, can I add a hot take? I mean, like I said, I have like a ton of them, but I'll just oh, leapfrog off this real quick. <laughs> so I am oftentimes very distracted by pajamas in TV shows. <laughs> 
and Lyda's pajamas were no exception. It's like she sleeps in a fucking tux. For real. Hey, sleep in a fucking tux. Hold on, let me get my top hat. Because it was like, girl, who sleeps in that? And this Nobody. is another reason why I'm like, I have this dissonance with Lyda's character being in this part of the show and being like this, like she's so fancy. I know. And I'm like, what is she doing here? <laughs> Coming to you from my pajamas. <laughs> Dude, I completely agree with this hot take. <laughs> Oh, oh goodness. Can I say one thing to another hot? I don't know why I'm so I don't know why you keep focused. asking. <laughs> yeah, I don't know why true. I'm so focused on the scene on the beach. <laughs> but I would have I wonder really, why. I would have really loved if like I would have loved if Hal thought the Corinthian was like weird instead of <laughs> like I know oh, that it's sort of thing. a thing for everybody to be attracted to him. But mm -hmm. I feel like it would have been so cool for Hal to be like, what's his problem? You know? What's Something is on? wrong with that guy. Yeah. Something's wrong. wrong like, is he wearing a pea coat on the beach right now? Or like, some, like, I wish that it would have been a, with Hal specifically, that it would have been a different choice than him just also being completely attracted to the Corinthian. I thought that might be cool. I want to tell you that A, I love everything you just said, and I think that would have been an amazing choice. <laughs> but B, as soon as you said Hal again, I I'm reminded that Hal's kind of petty. And yeah. you know, so I was kind of like, eh, it's probably yeah. the right character choice, but yours would have been way cooler. Yeah. I just I would have just laughed so hard and been like, see, yes, it would have been yeah. fantastic. Part of gold. <laughs> if I he had also... said to Rose afterward. What gay man wears that coat on this Oh my beach? God. You know what I'm saying? It would have been fucking phenomenal. Thumbs off. <laughs> totally, yeah. Um, I just, speaking of Hal and John Cameron Mitchell, um, <laughs> the scene where he's telling um, Rose to like, like. Go to, go to school. Get go the to fuck college. out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. go yeah. to college. Yeah was he was so good in that yeah. like yeah. i just i just wanted to call that out real quick there were all these like little micro expressions playing across his face as he was talking about like how he would sell the house tomorrow and like i just i just loved it he was so good yeah that was and i just wanted to say that <laughs> really just and really they gave him really good strong scenes that characterized how yeah. you know mm -hmm. that made him very true to the, the how from the comics yeah. i really dug yeah. that yeah. Yeah. I'd like to get my hot takes in before Lisa breaks out the scroll of hot takes. Oh, well, I'm, so this that... is why I'm peppering them. Okay. <laughs> I just want to make sure that I don't lose mine. That's all. She doesn't, <laughs> she doesn't dump all the flour into the bowl at once. She mixes it in Sifting slowly. It. Yeah. 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 It's a, uh, it's a really brief hot take. I expected Jed to get seriously ill from the rat bite. Like I was set up oh, for that because he yeah. does in the comic. And I was like, oh, oh, it just went away. Um, <laughs> Second hot take, I can't get over how much, and I noticed it even more this second viewing, how much Lida played by, Riz, I'm going to probably mangle her name, Razan Jamal, reminds me of Gal Gadot playing Wonder Woman. Mm -hmm. Like, that mm -hmm. vibe is strong. And since 
Lyda is Wonder Woman's daughter in the comics. I think that's really fun. You know yeah. what I mean? It's a really mm-hmm. subtle, fun thing. Um, and then the last thing, maybe Tom Sturge's best acting in the whole show is at the very end of that final scene with Galt and Lucien, mm-hmm. when you can see in his face that he knows he's being whack. He knows he's wrong <laughs> and it hurts him that he's yeah. wrong, but he doesn't yet know how to be right. Yeah. You know? And like, like that, I was like, I, I was like, I feel you, homie, Tom <laughs> Sturridge, belly up to the bar with my girls. You are the man, you know, I really felt that shit. So. Yeah. Well, and, um, the Galt's last lines, I was just like, oh, yeah. Oh. Mm-hmm. God, that scene Feel was it. so just everything. Everything. Like that scene was, was everything. I just loved it so fucking much. It was tremendous. I'm really pleased with how much of the dream uh, migration that we got. Yeah. Because in the comic, that's such a big, like, and I, I, was kind it's of the stealing. climax of the story in, yeah. the, in the comic mm-hmm. and i was kind of stealing myself for okay well there we're, we're not going to have really a lot of that we're not going to get to do a lot of that and i think that's part partly my reaction about oh my god mountain bones <laughs> um <laughs> but anybody else have any reactions to any portion of that um from <laughs> lisa's little i do i do i mean from the mm-hmm. cemetery to the to the making out where all the sex and the yeah anyway go ahead lisa um that entire sequence was so cool um it made me want to be a dream vortex i was like i want to like walk i want to be a dream walker i want to like see other people's dreams i know that's weird and an invasion of privacy but i want it um um i loved the i mean like i loved the detail of the jumbled letters um that was so cool and so accurate that's exactly what it's like to try and read something in a dream totally so trippy and weird and it was so perfectly realized in that moment but then I loved later on like when they're in the cemetery and she goes through the door to find Jed um it's like she's from that moment where she sees the jumbled letters to that moment she unjumbles the letters because she's taking like power over the dream hmm. um to find jed and i loved that detail that it was like she, the next time she saw the sign she could read it um yeah. that was oh. super cool and yeah i'll i'll just also echo part ten um did anybody else notice slash love that Rose is searching for the foster parents on a search engine called Track a Being. Yes, I did. Listen, I also I <laughs> this might be my last hot take, which I've been able to leapfrog off of everybody else's. This is great. Um, her search for Jed is so janky. <laughs> he is printing like hundreds of these flyers off of Hal's. B and B inkjet printer. Yes. <laughs> I thought that this time too. I'm like, girl, that took you at least 12 hours to do at least that 12 is- hours. And you had to run to the store and spend three hundred dollars on fucking toner. <laughs> totally. You at totally least. Did. <laughs> <laughs> no, the track of being killed me. I was track almost like half <laughs> expecting her to log into like Alta Vista. 
Like, what if we look doing? at this Usenet group? Alt, alt, <laughs> vampires? Flonk, flonk, flonk. Flonk, flonk, vampire aliens? Typing like this? Oh my god but yeah the track of being thing that slayed me I was like oh man I love it so good oh my goodness uh, <clears throat> one one my one hot take uh that I have left just one because uh, uh, yeah, oh. a lot of them have been said and that's fine okay my one hot take um <laughs> you know when uh the Corinthian is getting all crunchy with the eyeballs which is awesome um yes which you know when you're when he's eating the eyeballs he should be able to see uh, at least within the comics, the memories or to get something from the eyeballs when he eats them. Mm. But he's also, which would, would have been enough to know where Jed was at, but he's also reading the paper of where Jed is at, literally right in front of him. Um, and I thought that was a really funny sort of. Uh, and he was sitting crisscross apples. He was sitting crisscross desk, apples. Which is adorable. Yeah. So <laughs> he, was, he was seeing them. What did you just say? Crisscross applesauce. Crisscross apple applesauce on yeah, the desk. Yeah, when you sit with your legs crossed. Is this some weird religious thing? No, <laughs> no. Seriously, no. I've never, never heard, heard that, that before. What? It's colloquial. It must be colloquial. No, have not. Heard yeah, it. it's it absolutely colloquial. colloquial yeah. But it, yeah. is it regional? Uh, I mean, wait, because Kelly Sue, you know it, right? Yeah. Well, yeah. I in the and I you're from a different region from these two. Yeah. Southwest. We started saying crisscross applesauce because before that they called it sitting Indian, Indian style, style, and yeah. that's yeah. not okay. So and that's not okay anymore, and so it became crisscross crisscross applesauce. Yeah. I grew up with that. I, I, maybe I picked that up when I was in the south, it's, but I don't. It I don't may remember. have started out regional or colloquial, but I think it's fairly uniform, especially in schools. Mm -hmm. Yeah, teachers, in schools for sure, for the, yeah. especially like kindergarten teachers. Mm -hmm. Crisscross mm -hmm. applesauce. Cross applesauce. I mean, I definitely. Huh. I just went from Indian style, which yeah, is a no no to cross-legged yeah like that was my you know yeah. same i'm just like you but say crisscross yeah, you know i mean don't get me wrong i dig it i'm just like what, what? i mean <laughs> i'm just i was fascinated by the fact that claire just said that completely unironically yeah. you know what i mean yeah. it's funny because like, I, I like she said that like that's just what people say yeah. you know like it she said it like that yeah, I, it's <laughs> funny because i haven't heard it said in a few years now because you know in la people don't you, talk like that you haven't had a kid in daycare <laughs> that's recently. very true that is very true also yeah you don't have a human child. I don't. Yeah. <laughs> uh -huh. Light is going to need to learn that soon because that's. Well, the Corinthian gets it. Insta pregnancy. Yeah. He's Absolutely. like crisscross applesauce. Like, that will never leave me either. Crisscross applesauce. <laughs> yeah. God damn it. It's good. It's good. Something He's like, need. what's cool is that these slacks are made by an athletic leisure wear company. <laughs> So I can wear them business style, but I can uh, also sit lotus position <laughs> slash crisscross applesauce on this desk while I have <laughs> these eyeballs. That's my impression. Oh my God. I have to go back and watch that scene again with the subtitles so that I can see if they're describing his eating as squelching. If it's unfortunately not. I'm so bummed that we don't get to see any of that. It would have been so gnarly in the best way to yeah. be able to. I, we just had actually, a face peeling, Kelly We've... Sue. We're good without <laughs> the, the uh, eye. I'm it, listen. It the face enough. peeling blew me away. I was yeah. like, I'm, yeah, I'm disappointed yeah. that I never got to see him put an eyeball into his eye. Yeah, that's, that's yeah. We yeah. We don't get a. I, I wanted that. I think we've or talked about anything it. in we've the eye about that. Where we don't get a good, nice reveal of his chewy, his teeth eyeball thing. 
Yeah. Yeah. Never, I'm really, still never really missing the impact yeah. of. There's not words. nearly enough of the little eyes talking. No. Yeah, I <laughs> yeah. agree. The little eye mouths. Unfortunate. Well, are we at? We're we're at that time that I usually forget to do uh, when I'm hosting these episodes, but I'm not forgetting this Good time you. because I highlighted it in yellow on my script. <laughs> <laughs> Good job. So it is time to give our that episode was descriptions. I don't care how many words you use. I'm just feeling that good. That giving tonight. That giving. Oh, that, oh wow! Like take your power, own your own description. Go for it, Philip. Uh, that episode was smart. Justin. That episode was transitional. Very astute and academic. That's nice. Um, Kelly Sue. That episode was killer. And Lisa K. Weber. Episode was transformative. Mm. I am going y'all. to yeah, I'm going to say that episode was shifty. We like stuff, which is why we do this. Um, so when we watch stuff, it always prompts thoughts about other stuff that we like. And so we want to share that stuff with you so that you can perhaps like it as well. And today we're, we're turning to Philip for a recommendation of stuff to like. Yeah. So I've got a couple movies. Uh, to recommend the first one kind of popped in my head after while we were talking about uh, the sound of her wings that episode and it's a, a film it's a French film called the worst person in the world um, about a woman named Julia and you kind of follow her life for like four years and it's about life it's about death it's about relationships coming and going and love and hate and just all the different life things and there's a it's a real life story with fantastical elements which i think is kind of appropriate for uh especially the episode six um there's a lot of real life elements that uh the other one i want to recommend is more of a fable with real life elements kind of sprinkled in and that would be the new film and hopefully it's still out there by the time this uh this drops because it's really good in the theater is uh, 3000 years of longing. The new George mm. Miller movie is uh, gorgeous. Uh, it's, it's, it, it doesn't build like it, it, it's so like um, just cool being what it is and kind of telling its story. Uh, I, I don't want to give away too much more about it because it's really quite an experience. It feels more like um uh, Miyazaki or something like that kind of like a movie he would make um, and and it got me to realize that George Miller is actually a lot like Miyazaki in in some ways which is kind of cool uh, so yeah I would I would highly recommend it um, it's got Idris Elba and it's got uh, Tilda Swinton uh, Idris plays a genie and uh, Tilda the at least the the current person that uh, releases the genie from the little bottle and kind of about their relationship and it's not at all what you would expect so it's, it's quite good quite good and absolutely yeah. gorgeous to watch Hilda Swinton who played the angel Michael or Gabriel which one in Constantine the movie Gabriel Gabriel 
along with Peter Stormare. Oh and goodness. that movie is about Constantine, which brings us right back to the Sandman. And I got to say Peter Stormare's name again. You're welcome, Kelly Sue. <clears throat> Everything is better with a Stormare and a Skarsgård. That's just a I think that's fair yeah. of life. Yeah. So, well, thank you all. Thank you to our audience. Um, we're going to go now. We'll be back with the next episode of The Sandman quite soon. So, you know, be ready for that. Until the next episode, sweet dreams. This has been a Popsicle Podcast production.